Coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. So my dad and I started this because he had owned, operated, and sold three businesses. And I was graduating from college at the time, and, and his version of the story is I couldn't get a job. So my mom, my mom made him start a business with me. So rode his coattails, you know, first couple of years, um, he would probably say, you know, first decade or so, learning the business. And then, um, like I said, then he was ready to, to, to retire. This season of Influencing Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte and Spiracle Media. After years of teaching entrepreneurship and consulting business owners, I realized that true knowledge comes from the wins and losses of those entrepreneurs. These are the stories of those business leaders. I'm Casmer Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. I, I want to talk about how you get into uh, the mergers and acquisition fold, but I really want to talk about where maybe we said every other business owner starts. What does your exit look like? So my dad and I started this because he had owned, operated, and sold three businesses. Thought there was a need for a more professional firm to represent, you know, kind of our definition of closely held businesses. So most of our clients are five shareholders or less. His ex strategy was me. And so I bought him out in 2015. And literally the first thing I did is, is I said, okay, what do I want to do? What's my vision for Viking? And the first thing I did is I realized I want to run a real business. <clears throat> and I felt like it was my dad and I, since we were both in production, and we were always kind of the, you know, the top one or two or third producer that there wasn't a lot of equity because I'm not as easy to be replaced if I'm the number one producer. Right. So I immediately got out of production. And then I had a goal of opening up 10 offices in 10 years and, and creating $10 million in equity. And so we're seven years into it. We've got just opened our ninth office in Nashville. We have two more planned this year. Um, but then I was going to sell. So I was 40 when I bought them out. And so I was like, I'll, I'll sell when I turn 50. As I get closer to that, I realized um, there's a lot more that we can accomplish. Uh, things have slowed down because I've been able to attract and retain very talented uh, partners in these offices we open up. And so, embarrassingly, um, I don't have my new vision laid out. Right now, I'm just going to kind of enjoy it and then let the partners kind of come along beside me and help me kind of grow through my invisible ceiling. I think most business owners hit a visible ceiling around year seven. And these people are dynamic and, and a lot of them accomplish way more than I have, way more than I have. And so they're going to help me grow through that. And then we'll figure out if I need to be repurposed as, you know, president of Viking or if I get back into production. Um, but right now I, I don't have a timetable, which actually is, is, is great. So you mentioned that you started uh, Viking with your father because yes. he had three type, three businesses. What type of businesses yeah. were they? He was in uh, the weight loss business, believe it or not. He's, he's 6'5", 220 pounds like I am, but um, he had four locations. Uh, he had two locations in the sign industry. And then he had a short partnership back in the, the weight loss business that he kind of started, flipped with a partner in a short time period. And I was graduating from college at the time, and, and his version of the story is I couldn't get a job. So my mom, my mom made him start a business with me. So rode his coattails, you know, first couple of years. Um, he would probably say, you know, first decade or so, learning the business. And then, um, like I said, then he was ready to, to, to retire. So, so when those acquisitions start and you see that there's a need for a, a firm like Viking, what were the things that you guys weren't being serviced on on your exits? Well, I, th I think it was, it was more of, of the industry is kind of antiquated and cottage and there's not a lot of entry to barrier. So there are some really good people that do what we do, but there's also a lot of, like any industry, there's, there's some ones that aren't so good. And, um, and my dad just felt like there was a, a niche we could create which we've tried to do that again, closely held service manufacturing, distribution and technology, $50 million and below is kind of what we try to focus on. We've got the talent and people that came from doing bigger deals with private equity group, but it's really an underserved niche. 
So we don't want to go below, you know, a million dollars and, and, and do a, a restaurant. It's not really our forte or a small knickknack shop that's retail uh, or a coin laundry. But that sector is very underserved. And so we're very intentional about the space that we serve. And so far, you know, it's been a good run. <laughs> do, you, do you see an industry right now that's just on fire? Like owners are seeing returns. We're, we're seeing the, the home services because of COVID, right? I mean, there's a landscape industry kind of went went soft for, for a little bit and then COVID hit and all of a sudden there's a lot of big players rolling that industry up. Um, daycares, a lot of government money going into daycares. Uh, veterinary uh, hospitals, believe it or not, were selling it three, four, five times. Uh, their EBITDA now are eight, 10, 12 because come a couple of private equity groups decided to start doing roll-ups and they're competing with each other. So there's there's not an industry that's suffering besides the the general contractor where the owner has the GC license, their name is, you know, they, they build seven homes a year and it's their name of the business. Those are things that are probably on the lower end of, of as far as transferability and very hard to sell. Uh, but there's not a lot of business right now that if they're, as long as they're profitable, that there's not a, a good demand for. We talked earlier about the importance account of accounting yes. in, in the valuation. While I'd love to talk about that for another hour. You have to have sales too, right? Exactly. Sometimes that might be the big differentiator. Yeah, yeah. But Going back to the dollars and cents, what are some of the better investments business owners can make into their business to affect the return they get? Hardest thing right now is human capital, right? And making sure not only you attract them, but train them. You know, a lot of people don't leave because of their <clears throat> job situation or their pay. They, they leave because they don't feel like they're being adequately trained up. And so it's one, of, I mean, and I look at myself, like we started doing weekly training every Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And it's on Zoom and everyone can, and it's recorded. So if they can't make it live, they can, they can watch it. We want to make sure if someone joins our organization, they're not leaving because they don't feel like they're properly trained. Uh, invest in the infrastructure, right? If you're, if you're in manufacturing, the reason you buy new equipment isn't to avoid taxes in December. It's because you have something that's more efficient, that's going to be more, uh, you know, diversify your offerings to your, your customers and ideally create more profit, right? So I have a lot of business owners ask that question. Well, I bought this new piece of equipment, so is my business worth more? Well, first tell me, why'd you buy that piece of equipment? It should be because you have more capabilities and you can do things faster, quicker, more efficient, which means more profit. And that's what's going to drive the value of your business. So, so a lot of companies right now, we talk about the workforce, right? They're investing in, and it's a hot topic right now, but they're yes. investing in a workforce culture or workplace culture, everything from core values, flexibility, flexibility, yeah. and all of that. While that's a hot topic right now, are there returns being seen? from the invest, those types of investments? It's a great question. I'd, I'd like to say yes, because again, going back to, even though the owner may not um, be totally removed from running the business, they may have a strong team around them that the buyer can see. So writing out job descriptions, um, having them make sure that, you know, the right seat, the right person, the right seat, you know, you hear too often, but it's true. You've got to have that culture. We see a lot of businesses that have implemented some of the traction stuff that truly have seen a more uh, dynamic management team, a more dynamic uh, workforce that is creating a culture of, you know, what's in the best interest of the company, not what's in the best interest of the individual. And that seems to really drive a lot of higher profits, which makes a higher multiple. You're building out your workforce. You're building out your, uh, um, your accounting course, number one, and, and maybe sales. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about the, uh, it's a lonely island. Uh, being an entrepreneur, what are some of the resources or, or places you've gone to find the support? 
Entrepreneur organization is, is my go-to. I've been a member there for, for 12 years. I have my forum. Um, I truly don't think I would have even bought my dad out if I was, I really feel like I probably would have sold to the whatever owner wanted to buy and work for the new owner if, if I didn't join EO and kind of have that support group to kind of bounce ideas about and hear their stories and experience share of their successes. And I definitely don't think I would have opened up, you know, nine offices. It, it would have been something that just was outside of my conservative mindset. But being part of that and having all the, the learn events and the training and having kind of a board of directors kind of help navigate through that process, I think is the single source would help me do whatever small amount of accomplishments I've had. <laughs> so you're, you're in EO and you have that aha moment. Was there any certain point that that aha moment resonated with you? You know, I think, you know, every month we get together and someone is one or two people are presenting on a challenge they have. Most of the time when you first join EO, you're presenting on, on business challenges, mm -hmm. but you get to know and like and trust your, I call it, we call it a forum, but things like a board of directors, normally eight. And you really um, know that they've got a lot of experience in other areas. So people experience share on, on kids, on aging parents, on, um, you know, challenges in, in their, their marriage or, I mean, so it goes beyond that. But in this particular setting, I do remember just talking about openly and, and hearing their stories of when they've been faced with a challenge of, you know, do I make this business decision? And it's not always like no one's telling you what to do. They're telling you what they've done when they're faced with a similar situation or have a similar emotion. And then as, as your own person, you make a decision based on the collective group's information they've shared with you. So for me, it's very powerful. I think all business owners, whether it's EO or Vistage or C12, I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there. And you can't talk to your neighbor all the time. You can't always talk to your spouse. Sometimes you can't talk to your accountant unless they happen to be an entrepreneur. Right. It has to be a, a CPA or accountant. And a I mean, lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't. They're great at what they do, They're but they don't they understand do. what exactly. it takes to run a business. Right. I feel like it's, it's a very important part for a lot of business. And we recommend when people are buying a business, like here's an awesome opportunity for you to get involved and talk to people that may have been there and done that and have the same challenge you're having from the beginning, even though you're coming in, you know, 15, 20, 25 years into the, the existing organization. So you, you, you decide to buy your father out at that point. Uh, family business is going to be tricky. How did that transition go? Well, because he, he did stick around as a senior advisor for two years, kind of full-time, and then about 18 months part-time until he fully retired. So my biggest, uh, I guess not concern, but happy realization was my dad truly did go hands-off because he was very much in control when we were partners, and, and he – um, like to oversee every aspect, and I'm kind of the opposite, where I want people to learn and grow on on their own, and don't want to, you know, look over their shoulder. And he truly just was was hands off, you know. I guess because he got his money, and he's <laughs> okay. But he he would like if I came to him with a question, he would definitely answer. But he did not interfere with what I was doing unless I, I asked him. So I was pleasantly surprised because I did not expect that to transition as well. As we start closing things out, any advice you have to business owners out there when they are setting their goals? You know, working closely with your financial advisor, your accountant, your attorney, and know who your intermediary or advisor is earlier so they can get to know your business, uh, help you plan your exit strategy. I think business owners should do evaluation every year. A lot of people, I think, it's kind of like flying blindly. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just, I mean, I'm in the air. It's like, well, you own your business. Where are you going? Or where are you? And so putting a stake in the ground and saying, okay, this is what I've done after, you know, I think after about five, seven years, it's time to start doing valuations. And, and most businesses, it's hard to sell if they're not at least five to seven years or older. But then every year, do it. Share that information with your financial advisor so they can paint the picture of where you are if you have a goal of retiring at a certain age, knowing that right now only half the people are selling to retire. A lot of people are selling because they did hit that, that hit, did hit that invisible ceiling 
if uh, they can't take the next level or they don't want to hire the next employee, open that next location, buy that new ne next piece of equipment. And they just want to turn their equity into cash and do it again. Like my dad did. He was a serial entrepreneur, right? He owned four businesses in a less than a 25 year time period. And the longest one was, was the one he owned with me. Excellent. Well, Jay, I appreciate your time Thank with you, us Cass. today. That was fun. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Influencing Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte and Spherical Media. Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Education or visit casmoward.com to catch up on previous episodes.